Hi, this is Bobby Andy, and today we're taking up the second part of Heaven and Hell, and we're going to major on Heaven today. So incredible, words can't even describe what Heaven is like. John tried and couldn't get it across to us. We're going to do our best today. Join me in the Word of God as we talk about Heaven, our final home. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Glad to have you here today. I started a series yesterday, it's just a two-day series, and talk about heaven and hell. Yesterday we talked about heaven and hell. Today we're just going to zero in on heaven because I believe that most of you watching are believers already. And listen, it's great to know about heaven because what an alternative that we can talk to people about. To me, the new birth ought to be something so simple on top of that. Why do we make it complex? It's something that anybody would say yes to. Why in the world would you say yes to hell and no to heaven? I mean, just presenting the two. But you know what? The world sometimes believes, no, 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 no. First of all, that's just too good to be true. But next of all, I think I can do it myself. I don't need Jesus doing it for me. And the point of it is it's impossible. It's impossible for you to gain eternal life on your own. It came about for the fact, first of all, you're born in sin. And next of all, you have the nature of sin in you. And you're already born in Satan's family, headed to hell. God sees all this stuff as a done deal until you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Then all of that is undone and you become born again. You were in Adam, but you die in Adam. You're reborn into Jesus Christ. And the moment that happens, you're headed toward heaven. You have eternal life and sin has no more control over you. It might have control over you as far as this natural life is concerned when you commit a sin, but you have the ability to confess it and it's gone. And so in those moments of weakness or those moments of temptation, when you said yes and should have said no to temptation, you still have that chance as a Christian because it only separated you from fellowship, not relationship. In other words, accepting Jesus guarantees you slaps a one-way ticket into your pocket that you're going to heaven. The moment you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, everything else in the Christian life, good or bad after that, bring rewards or lack of rewards when you go to heaven. Heaven is a gift. But today I want to talk to you about heaven itself and just simply point out to you, there's a scripture in Ephesians that tells us that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. I've thought about that verse before. Think about this. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly of all that you ask. I can ask some pretty big things. But it didn't stop there. It says, or think. I can think of things so huge I wouldn't even dare ask for them. But the Bible says he's able to do exceedingly abundant above whatever you ask or even whatever you can think of. Let me tell you what heaven is. Heaven is so incredible, you couldn't even think of it down here on earth. Just to stop and think about it blows your mind. And John got to go there in the book of Revelation. All he kept saying was, I saw unspeakable things. I could not even put it into words. He tried to, and we read it. He said, up there, the sound that was in heaven was the sound of many waters. And you go, well, okay, sound of many watch. But imagine trying to carry on a conversation with somebody next to you standing at the bottom of Niagara Falls. The water would be so crashing, so loud, you couldn't, and that won't even compare to heaven. I'm trying to use what my imagination can think on earth to apply it to heaven. So let's read what the Bible has to say in Revelation chapter 21, verses 16 through 17 about our future home in heaven. Understand this, the older you get in the Christian life, the more that this earth begins to fade away 
away and heaven becomes a reality. The song we sang was the things of this earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace and the light of his glory and grace is coming to us in heaven. Look at verse 16, Revelation chapter 21, and the city is a perfect square. The length is the same as the breadth and the measure of the city with the rod, 1,500 miles. That's wide in both directions. The length, breadth, and height are equal. So it's also 1,500 miles high. It's like a perfect square. Or people have often said it could be a pyramid. I don't know. Verse 17, and he measured the walls 216 feet, 21 stories tall, were the walls surrounding the city according to human and angelic measurements. The material of the wall was jasper. The city was pure gold like clear glass and the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all types of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth a topaz, the tenth a Christophersis, the eleventh a jasper, the twelfth and amethyst, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls. I want you to notice it's not individual, lots of small pearls. Every individual gate was a single pearl, verse 21, and the streets of the city were pure gold like transparent glass. I saw no temple in it because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple. And the city had no need of the sun or the moon for light, for the glory of God gave light to it, and the Lamb is the light. And the saved of the nations walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor to it. And the gates are not closed at all by day because there is no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Nothing in any wise shall enter into that which is unclean or practices abominations or lies. Only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Wow heaven and realize that's all a gift. And on top of that, that's trying to put it in human terms. Can you imagine just what you read there? All of a sudden your mind starts, you know, a little bit of smoke comes out of your ear because your mind just cannot imagine what God is saying here about heaven. But I want you to notice who this is for. Those who are written in the Lamb's book of life, not those who have lived perfect lives. No, those who gave this imperfect life to the Lord and that day got saved. That is the only prerequisite for going to heaven. The only drawing line between heaven and hell is, are you in the book of life? Did you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? And that's why I've said before, heaven will be filled with good people and bad people. Hell will be filled with good people and bad people because you don't go to heaven because you're good and you don't go to hell because you're bad. You go to heaven because you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you go to hell because you rejected Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Heaven is a gift. It's the gift of eternal life. Heaven is a gift. All the mansions that are there, the transparent gold buildings, the gold streets, the perfect weather, the heavenly grass, flowers, trees, rivers, mountains, diamonds, city foundation, precious stone foundation for the jasper walls, pearl gates lit by God's glory. Only believers, no sinners, no sin, no perversion, no crime. All of this is a gift. You just receive it. Man, Say, how can God do that? I don't know. His grace is indescribable. To try to tell you about the goodness and the mercy and the wonderfulness of God, his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. There wasn't one good thing in me for God to desire, yet he still loved me. I don't know why. That is exactly the love of God. That's the glory of the love of God. And because of that love, for God so loved Bob, 
For God so loved you, for God so loved the entire sinful world that he gave his only begotten son, the perfect gift of Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I didn't come into heaven and I'm not gonna go to heaven because I've been such a wonderful guy. But I like to think that even my wonderful things after I got born again was not me. It was the word of God working in me, the power of the Holy Spirit working in me, the mercy of God working through me. All these things has helped me to produce a good life in front of the world. But you know what? Even my good life came from the fact I've been born again and have the power to walk free from sin and walk in those wonderful things that God wants me to walk in. So again, heaven, is a gift. The, the doorway into heaven is a gift, salvation. I don't wait until I get to heaven to have eternal life. I have eternal life now and eternal life here is my ticket into heaven. And the eternal life that I have was also a gift of God, not by works of righteousness, which Bob has done, but according to God's mercy, he saved me by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that Bob could boast about it. No, I gave all my boasting to Jesus Christ because he died for me. I didn't deserve it, didn't work for it, didn't earn it. It was a gift handed to me. And I had just the sense to say, okay, I'll take it. That's all it takes for eternal life. And so we're saying here, you couldn't help being born into this earth in Satan's family. You couldn't help being born a sinner. That came and you did not have anything to do with it. For once you can blame someone else for it. It's Adam and Satan's fault. And so they did this, they threw me into the situation. But Jesus Christ as the perfect gentleman will not without your permission take you out of it. He offers eternal life as a gift and say, do you want to accept it? I had no choice to be born into this earth in sin, but I have a choice to get out of it. And that's what God has done for me. So the beauty of this is, is listen, some people have already gone to heaven and some are still here on earth. Look at Ephesians chapter three with me for just a moment. Verses 14 and 15. And this tells us the family of God is divided. Those who have left this earth as Christians have already gone to heaven. We're down here waiting for our turn to go up there. But notice this, when we die, we go to heaven, but we're still part of the family of God. Ephesians chapter three, verse 14 and 15, for this cause, I bow my knee to the father of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Notice the family is split. Those who leave this earth never leave the family. We leave the church because the church is only found here on this earth to do the work of God in this earth. We leave the body of Christ because in heaven, we will no longer be the hands of Jesus, the feet of Jesus to carry the gospel, the hands on the sick will no longer be the mouth of Jesus to carry the gospel because that's not needed in heaven. Someone else takes that position. So when I leave this earth, I leave the church. I leave the body of Christ, but we never ever leave the family of God. The family of God is what God has told us will occupy heaven. In heaven will still be God the Father's sons and daughters and will still be brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that happened when I got born again. That's something I carry with me to heaven. I'll always be a part of God's family. Some have gone there and come back. This is the beauty of it. You say, well, how do you know this? Well, we have the word of God that tells us, the promises of God that tells us, but we've even had some in history that have gone to heaven and come back. We have some today. I don't think this thing of people going to heaven and then coming back just started in the Bible. No, it's been going on all these years. I mean, you can go to YouTube right now and just put it in there, people that have died and come back. 
And tons of them tell you we saw light, we saw Jesus, we saw angels, but God told me I needed to come back for a time. And they'll tell us these things. I know people that died for a moment, went to heaven and came back. And so we find them in the word of God. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses two and through four says, I knew a man, this is Paul speaking. I knew a man, this is himself. I knew a man in Christ over 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, but God knows. He was caught up into the third heaven. And I knew this man, whether in the body or out, I do not know, God knows. He was caught up into paradise. That's where paradise went from under the earth, now into heaven. He was caught up into paradise and heard indescribable words, which are not permitted for a man to speak. And he was speaking here of himself. We find him in the word of God, Lazarus that was raised from the dead. He, listen, he was raised from the dead and came back in his natural body. Whatever sickness killed him was gone. All right, but he, later on he died again because he got his natural body back, not a resurrection body. Only one person has a resurrection body, that is Jesus. So Lazarus in the Bible came out of that tomb and he came back to life. Those who came out of the graves at Jesus' resurrection, Matthew tells us of those. Many who had died that were in the Old Testament came back out of their graves to tell of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and their resurrection back into their natural body. They died later on again. Moses and Elijah returned at the mount with Jesus and will come back in the tribulation one day and they died in the Old Testament. I'm simply here to tell you, salvation's real, heaven is real. Is it real in your life? See you right after the break. In this extensive 17-part study of the scriptures, Bob Yandian explores both heaven and hell by contrasting these two vastly different destinations. For years, Christians and unbelievers alike have had questions about heaven and hell. Do they even exist? And what exactly are they? How could a loving God send unbelievers to hell? What do believers in the Lord Jesus Christ have to look forward to in heaven? Find the answers in the Bible through this fascinating and compelling topical study on heaven and hell. To order Heaven and Hell, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified, redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership.
In the second half of this broadcast, I'm really going to just mainly deal with Scripture, showing you so much Scripture about what heaven's going to be like, our final destination. And I'm going to talk about the fact that if God has not appointed us to wrath as far as the church is concerned, when the tribulation begins, then heaven is not going to be a place of wrath. We, be, we were delivered from that the moment we got born again. The moment we got born again, we were delivered from God's wrath. We will never see it. Now, Satan can take vengeance on us. And there's times when God will discipline us when we get out of shape. But God doesn't discipline us with wrath and anger and bitterness. No, he disciplines us to bring us back into his will. And he disciplines us through the word. This is how he does it. All scriptures given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. God does all this to help bring us back and it's through the word that he does it. He doesn't send disease upon us and tear our house apart with tornadoes. That happens because of the curse that's in this earth down here and the curse that Satan is working. But God has not appointed us to rest. So let's talk about that first of all. Colossians chapter one and verse five. For the hope laid up for you is in heaven which you heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. There you have it right there. We have a home in heaven. But while we're here on this earth, God has not forgot us. In other words, people often say, well, I don't believe in heaven. Heaven is just down here on this earth. No, no, this is literally closest to hell on this earth. And God in the midst of this planet down here, of which is under the curse, which Satan has dominated, and one day God will deliver this earth from it. In the meantime, God has given us some heaven on earth. And that is we can walk in the goodness of God. We can live in some of the provisions we'll have in heaven down here on earth, but this ain't heaven. I'm here to tell you, think the earth has been good and God's been good to you here. You had no idea what's going to happen in heaven. First Thessalonians 1.10 says this, we are to wait for his son from heaven. That's we as Christians, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivered us from the wrath to come. Now the wrath to come is the coming tribulation and he's delivered us from that. In the meantime, what are we supposed to do? Live on this earth, spread the gospel, do the things we're supposed to do, go to church, keep growing in the things of God while we're waiting on Jesus to come. Now, if you die before that time, you get to go to heaven, but when he does come, you'll get to come back with him. All this is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, that we will, he will come back with all those who have died in Christ and he'll come back and they'll get their resurrection bodies first. We'll get our resurrection bodies second while we're here on this earth. Then we'll all go back to heaven with Jesus and we'll be there for seven years through the judgment seat of Christ where our works will be judged. Not us, we won't be judged. Our works will be judged and we'll be rewarded for them. Then we'll come back with him as a bride adorned for her husband. We are not the bride yet. We will be fashioned into the bride through the judgment seat of Christ, the reward seat of Christ, and then we will come back in Revelation 19 as a bride adorned for her husband. Right now, we are the body of Christ. Right now, we are the church, but we will be fashioned into the bride when we get to heaven. On that day, when we're fashioned into the bride, he will present us to himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. So this 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10 is simply saying this, this is deliverance from the tribulation. If God's going to deliver us from the tribulation here on earth, then certainly we're not going to go to hell. No, we will go to heaven after that. And so if God delivers us from his wrath here that's about to be poured out on this earth very soon, then it's obvious we're going to go to be with him in heaven. We will be in heaven during that time. And again, like I said, go through the judgment seat of Christ. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 23. Here in this verse of scripture describes what heaven's going to Here's where we're headed to, to the general assembly the church of the firstborn, 
who are written in heaven to God, the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect. You know who's in heaven? God, the father who's just, Jesus Christ, who is just, and all the saints that are there that were made just and made perfect and their spirits are there. The spirits of all people are there that accepted Jesus as Savior. They don't have a body yet. They'll receive that at the rapture of the church, but they now are in spirits form in heaven. Their spirit and their soul or their inward man is now in heaven. The outward man is what died on this earth. Their physical body died. And so it says again to the general assembly, this is where, listen, you, if, did you go to church down here? I trust you did because heaven's gonna be a perpetual church service. And this is called the general assembly. This is where all of the church of Jesus Christ gets together, the church of the firstborn who are written in heaven. My name is written in heaven. Your name is written in heaven if you've accepted Jesus. And notice this, to God, the judge of all and to the spirits have just been made perfect. Look at Matthew chapter five. There are rewards when we arrive in heaven. And Matthew chapter five tells us this. I'm just telling you, I told you about all the wonderful buildings. I told you about the streets. I told you about the gold. I told you about the foundations, all the different, you know, uh, jasper and sapphire and all those things and the different precious stones that all the foundations are made out of. Well, that's just eye appeal. Let me tell you what's going to happen while we're there. It says in Matthew chapter five, knowing we're going to heaven should help us go through tribulations and trials here. Matthew chapter five, verses 11 and 12, blessed are you when men will revile you, persecute you, say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. What are we supposed to do? Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven because they persecute the prophets the same way who came before you. You know what we're supposed to do when we're treated evilly? Rejoice, not get mad at them. Oh, there can be a godly anger come on you. But in the meantime, what do you do? Rejoice, be exceeding glad. Why? Because they are doing nothing more than building up rewards for you in heaven. How you handle persecution, how you handle trouble, how you handle opposition determines rewards in heaven. There was a time when Jesus saw them, you know, uh, selling things in the temple. They shouldn't have been. And he got very upset with them and said, you've just turned it into a a money-making thing. And he was upset with him for that, but he did it because he loved him. And on top of that, we're going to be treated the same way. And we listen, if you re- if you react back at them in anger, make sure it is a godly anger, which underneath that you're doing it because you love them. You want them to see the right way, not because you're angry and then say you deserve to go to hell. No, they don't. They do because they're born in Adam, but Jesus came to remove all that so that now they can go to heaven and the deserving part comes back to Jesus. He paid the price. We go to heaven for his sake. Matthew chapter six, go to the next chapter and look at verse 19 through 21. Here the Lord tells us, notice this, there's rewards in heaven when we arrive. And in the first verse we just quoted there, there's rewards for doing right. But notice what it says in Matthew chapter six, verse 19 through 21. Do not store treasures for yourself on earth. There's going to be treasures in heaven. And he's simply saying, don't hoard it up. It's all right to have savings accounts and all these other things, but don't put your trust in them. Don't store up treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust corrupts and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupts and where thieves cannot break and do not break through or steal for where your treasure is there will your heart be also. 
If your treasure is on eternal things which are in heaven, that's where your heart will be. If your treasure is in money in some savings account somewhere or how much your interest comes in off your investments, that's where your heart's gonna be. It's all right to have those things, just don't put your trust in them because there's gonna be people around that break through and steal all that. Our government can take more taxes. All these different things are gonna happen to this, but nobody can touch your treasure in heaven. Moth and rust, corrupt down here. Moth can attack clothing, so I don't care how much you love your clothing, a moth can eat that. Rust corrupts metal, so I don't care about how great a car you have or all those wonderful metal things you have. And next, always say, yeah, but you know, I've got mothballs in the closet, so moths can't get in there. And rust corrupts, I have my car undercoated, so no rust can get to it. Well, you can't stop the next one. Thieves break through and steal. So they can still do that. It simply says there's no way you can have a guarantee in this earth where your treasures are going to be and how long you'll have it. Somebody else will get it after a while. But the treasures in heaven are protected by God. And it simply says, if your treasure is in heaven, keep your eyes there, keep your attention there, and there your heart will be also. Great joy can come. So much joy that if you lose a few hundred thousand dollars, you go, ha ha, you know what? It all came to me in the first place. And if I live long enough, God can give it back to me. Hebrews 10, 34. You had compassion for me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your possessions, knowing that you have in heaven a better and a more enduring substance. What that's simply saying is this, you may have treasures on earth, but what you have in heaven is even greater. Look at 1 Peter 1, 4. I trust you're rejoicing in these verses. They're not just words on a page. Look at what it says. 1 Peter 1, 4, we're going to an inheritance which is incorruptible, undefiled, fades not away, and is reserved in heaven, regarded in heaven for me. Look at Matthew 5, 16. God sees in heaven what we do on earth and rewards it. Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before me. And this is your testimony. So they may see your good works. Your good works are a testimony as much as your words are. And then glorify your father who is in heaven. Notice this, men see it. Let your light shine before men, but your father in heaven watches over it too. Matthew 10, 32, whoever confesses me before men, I will confess also before my father who is in heaven. Notice that what happens on earth. God watches. Romans 8, 34, Jesus is in heaven representing us. Who is he who condemns us? That's Satan. It's Christ that died rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? I can tell you this, when things go wrong in my life, I have an intercessor there. One who prays over me, one who watches over me, one who's there for my good and defends me. Hebrews 9, 24, for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands. He's in heaven now, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. He's not there for himself. He's there for us. That's the compassion and the glory of God. So what we do for the Lord follows us. Not only does God see it now, but in Revelation 14, 13, one of my favorite verses, I love to use this at funerals. I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from this time on. 
this time forth, says the Spirit, they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. I want to go to heaven with lots and lots of rewards. How about you? I don't want to just squeak it by and get into heaven. I don't want to stand there in heaven and say, whoo, made it. Man, this is all I want. No, you made it the moment you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. I don't want to just go to heaven empty-handed. I want to go into heaven with an abundance of gold, silver, and precious stones, rewards for me. I want to come in with wagon loads of rewards. Even giving a cup of cold water in the name of the Lord receives a prophet's reward. This is the goodness of God for me. It simply comes back to this again. Heaven is a gift. Heaven is a gift. But everything after that are rewards, positions in heaven, thrones you might sit on, crowns that you'll wear, robes that you will have will be rewards. I don't want to just go to heaven. I want to pull behind me wagon loads of gold, silver, and precious stones. Or as that verse said, my works will follow me. I go to heaven, but behind me will be a train that I'll be pulling of lots and lots of things filled with what God has done for me in my lifetime, simply living for him, simply giving the glory to God, simply walking by faith, all these things come to pass. Listen, heaven will be wonderful. Oh, listen, you think earth is good? Can't even compare to heaven. Yes, earth is good when you accept Jesus. Yes, I live in blessings on this earth, but the best is yet to come. I'll see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.